أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين سيدنا حبيبنا مولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه الطيبين الطاهين باركين وعلى من سار وراء السير واستنى بسنته واكتفى أثره واهتد بهديه إلى قيام الساعة أما بعد رسبت في وزنبا يوا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته such is the greeting that comes from me and the team and the crew that is making this program inshallah to run smoothly right here from Islam Channel Street at this particular moment on our daily surgery that brings us the, gives us the opportunity to address, to address the daily aspects of our deen. And I hope, inshallah ta'ala, we enjoy a very informative and inshallah spiritual nourishing moment or uh, surgery with all of you. And I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to uh, bless this gathering. Secondly, also, I praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the cherisher, the one who has guaranteed an opportunity to be alive today. We really thank him for the enormous blessings, most paramount of which is Islam and also life, but also the ability to have our intellect and mind is still stable and sound, but the ability to be able to see and look and feel and sense, but also move about and go on with our daily life when there are so many there who can only hear and see and touch, but they cannot get mobile. And this is because of part of Allah subhanahu test to them. So whomsoever Allah has tested, we can rely on him to grant him comfort and to be indeed an, uh, and to, uh, and a means of erasing their sins. For indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's tests are a means for expiating some of the sins, but also protect them from some imminent sins. We thank him for the blessings of life, the fresh air, the peace and the stability, the harmony we enjoy. Most of these things we do take them for granted, only to understand those who have been subject to predicament or persecution and deny the freedom that many of us take for granted. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us understand and realize those things we take for granted. We usually begin this hadith, this speech, by reminding ourselves the statement of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When he said to you and to me and to everyone that man asbaha aminan fi jasadihi, آمناً في سربه معافاً في جسده عند وقوت يومه فكأنما حزت له الدنيا Whoever wakes up in the morning feeling that he is healthy in his body guarantee the peace and harmon and security and stability with all the provisions around him and has got his daily meal indeed those are enough they are equivalent to the entire world being wrapped up and presented before him. So, Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allahumma alhimna shukraka la ni'amika allati la tu'addu wa la tuhsa. O Allah, grant us the means of appreciating your enormous blessings, many of which cannot be counted or cannot be reflected as they go past the passers in our subconscious mind. Thirdly, I seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and blessings upon his beloved messenger Muhammad ibn Abdullah, his family and relatives, and upon those messengers and their disciples who preceded him in faith, but also those who came after, he, after him, and also may he accept from us all our effort and our sacrifices and our attempt to pursue the cause and the path that he wished for us, the path of Islam. Allahumma ameen. 
Allahumma amin. Dear brothers and sisters, this is your program. The number is on the screen. Put your question across if you can. And if you want it also, you can put the question via our WhatsApp number there and it will be readily received to us. All our viewers, whenever you are in Africa, in Middle East, in Nigeria, Ghana, Sierra Leone, France, Kuwait, everywhere you are, please do put your question across. We can benefit from that. For probably you may be the person who puts the question across, but the benefit will be enjoyed by others who may resonate with your situation and find something enlightening, illuminating, and guiding to them. Uh, before we come to that, there we have some questions that were put to us before, and uh, I would like to go through some of them. One of the basic questions, uh, before I come to the question, let me go to my first caller. Let me see, is it Brother Muhammad from Stevenage or someone from Nigeria? Caller, Salaamu Alaikum, your name and where you calling from? Uh, um, um, wa alaykum as-salam. I'm, I'm calling from London. Masha Allah, Tabara, thank you, my dear sister. Mashallah, what's your question today? Well, my question is when when I do the nafil, no. am I allowed to take mushaf in my hand? Why would you like to hold the mushaf? Because when you, I wanted to, I wanted to read long surahs. Excellent. Thank you very much, my dear sister. Where you call? Oh, you calling from London? Okay, that's yes, fine. Inshallah, okay. I'll answer your question. Let me see if there are other callers. Maybe we can take. Okay. I'll come back to other callers, inshallah. Dear sister, uh, the obligation to read, uh, I mean, the, pr the prayer or in a solar way that is compulsory or it is optional, gives you the opportunity to uh, recite as a matter of obligation or as a matter of option, you know, the, the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if there is any better speech, then it should be the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, very many of us, as you know, in some, in some countries, actually, for example, in the United Kingdom, we do have a day when there is a reading of the Shakespearean, Shakespearean writings. And that is something, okay, you know, communities celebrate here, you know, historical and classical writers. But how beautiful is it we not only celebrate, but we seek to reach out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, atone for our sins, build, contribute something for our ultimate destiny by reading over the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the best speech ever. Therefore, the prayer gives that opportunity. There are two aspects of recitation. One is optional, one is compulsory. The optional part of it, the compulsory part of it is Surah Al-Fatiha. Whether you are praying Sunnah or you are praying Farada, you must read it, especially if you are praying alone. But if you are praying behind an Imam and the recitation is louder, uh, audible, then the, the requirement for the one praying behind the imam, it is better that he listens, and when the imam pauses, then you can read as well. If he doesn't pause, that is okay. Similar to someone who joins the prayer when the imam is in the ruku, he doesn't have to go through al-fatiha, so he can join the imam in the ruku, otherwise be missing the raka. So, al-fatiha must be recited, especially as you mentioned when you're praying alone, whether it is fard, like a fajr, dhuhr, asr, uh, maghrib, and isha, or if you are praying, inshallah ta'ala sunnah. Now, regarding what to recite after al-Fatiha, that is not compulsory, it is recommended. Now, if you are praying alone, there is no limit to how much you can read, as long as the continuation of the reading does not breach, does not breach other obligatory aspects. For example, if you know you are reading nafil, uh, qiyamul layl, don't read the entire three chapters because that's what he wanted to do so much that by the time you finish, even Fajr is gone. 
Otherwise, there is nothing wrong to hold the Mus'haf and read through it, insha'Allah ta'ala. Uh, there is nothing wrong at all with that, especially if you are not a Hafiz. Do, you can do it also if you are praying with other people, but make sure in the process of reading, do make it so long beyond their ability to, uh, to make a long, insha'Allah ta'ala, stand, as you mentioned. Banda, thank you very much, my dear sister from London, for that um, question. One of the caller was asking, Sheikh, how do you improve your intentions? Um, first of all, the intention is one of the two fundamental aspects that underpin the acceptability of any act of worship you can ever do. What I mean by that is every single act that you expect Allah to reward you for, it must be anchored and based on two fundamental aspects. If one of them is not there, it will not be acceptable. And if both of them are there, if both of them are missing, it will not be acceptable. Both must be there um, uh, concurrently and simultaneously at the same time. These are one, the intention. The intention must be pure. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in Hadith Umar ibn Khattab radiyallahu Indeed, acts are judged according to the intention. And everyone will be rewarded according to their intention. That Hadith, that Hadith is in itself a legal maxim. It is also used in when we when we examine the behavior to consider the legality as to whether it's considered to be sinful or not sinful, or it is it requires a punishment in this world or not a punishment, or whether what was committed is a crime or not a crime, and so on and so forth. Depending on the intention, then that is acceptable. And you find that even just, even just by matter of making mention the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, the Quran says that indeed Allah does not hold us accountable for those words, for those statements over which you have used the name of Allah by means of swearing or taking an oath. لا يؤاخذكم الله باللغو في أيمانكم ولكن يؤاخذكم بما أكدتم الأيمان Allah does not hold you accountable over that you made a loose, a weak, a, in a joking way, unintended oath. People always say, hey, Wallah, Wallah, you know, I love you. Wallah, I'll give you this. If you do not actually mean it, but in many, especially in the Arabic language, that word will often come. La Wallah, hey, Wallah. You know. And it does actually intend to make an oath, but it's something that is used in their day-to-day -day conversation. So that kind of oath, does not highlight the intention of something to become, it's not intended to oblige when he uses that word. So how do you make your intention clear? It's by understanding that the act of what, the act that you, the act that you are doing, you intend to get an, a reward from it. And the only way you can do, you got to remember that it must be purely for the sake of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whether that the beneficiary appears to be somebody else, make sure you do not actually expect a reciprocal praise and reward and appreciation from the person. Otherwise, if you give someone 100 pounds and you want him to mention you, you went for a fundraiser and you wanted your name to be mentioned louder, you want your name to appear on a, plaque, on, on a plaque, you want your name to be on their logo, you want your logo to be on their whatever, you know, headed papers, Otherwise, if they don't, then you don't give, then there is something wrong with the intention. And that cuts across everything. Whether you are telling the truth, do so. Be mindful that Allah is the witness of what you are saying. That is one way of purifying your intention. If it is prayer, do not pray to impress others. 
pray to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it is zakah, do not aim people to see that he gives his zakah. You do it secretly. And that's why Rasulullah sallallahu said, indeed, the best of the sadaqah, after the sadaqah, is the one where if you give your right hand, the left hand will not know. This hand metaphorical appear to be closed so that whatever you give, this one would know. So the Prophet used a metaphorical phrase to say that when you give it, the left hand will not be able to know. Meaning, give it so, so secretly that do not let other people know, you know, even lies, subhanahu wa ta'ala. If your hand would not know, they do not accept somebody else, you know, to see that you've given and bring it to their attention, which could be to the detriment of your intention, but also it can put the other person in a very compromising and unfortunate position because the recipient or the receiver of that gift. So, be careful you do for the sake of Allah. If you, if you want to get the best of the reward, then that consciousness will trigger the right approach in everything, be it in life, subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second condition is make sure whatever you do, you do it in accordance with the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whether it is salah, zakah, and all other aspects of worship. Uh, Salaamu alaykum, Sheikh. I am married Muslim, but I have a problem with my husband because he doesn't, he does not pray nor fast. At the, at the same time, he takes cut. Uh, so cut is, uh, you know, that kind of weed, weed that people, many people actually do, uh, you know, cure all the time and uh, has got adverse effect. And uh, he takes cut and he plays casino. I've, I've talked to him and he doesn't, he doesn't change the behavior. Please advise this brother or sister from Nigeria. Uh, he's a sister from Nigeria. Uh, my dear sister, first of all, I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, you know, grants your husband, be in life subhanahu wa ta'ala, the understanding that what he's doing is detriment to himself. First of all, uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the salah in the Quran, this is always recited every single Friday often in many masajids. When the imam, as they approach the end of their khutbah, they remind us the ayah of the Quran, rajim. Utlu ma uhiya ilayka min al-kitab wa aqimi salata inna salata tanha anil fahshai wal munkar. That indeed recite what has been revealed to you in the revelation, the book of revelation, that's the Quran, and establish the prayer. Inna salat, for indeed the prayer stops and acts as a means of protecting you from promiscuity and other forms of uh, of sins. So if someone gives up on salah, I think he's opened up all the gates and the doors of mischief. All mischievous doors will be opened. And that is automatic. That is automatic because you miss out the opportunity of visiting and knocking on the door of your Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Try to atone and reach out to him for his mass and his blessing and make a commitment that is the one to whom you obey and whom you seek for help. Then you are looking in different directions and you cannot continue doing that and exit be on the right path. So therefore, secondly, so if that, as a result of that, he ends up indulging himself into addiction, into gambling and cut and all the weeds and all other associated behavior, then of course, it is no surprising because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, I think in Surah uh, Al-Ma'idah, they do ask you about alcohol and gambling. And these are the characters, habits you have told us your husband is indulging himself into as a result or at the back of giving up on the prayer. Tell them, Fihima ithmun kabirun, in both gambling and drinking, there are two 
there, there, are, there are so much danger. There are so many problems and associated predicaments. But there are also benefits. He who drinks and sells and engages in those, he can gain money. There's material gain out of it. But indeed, the dangers of indulgence into alcohol and gambling outweigh the potential benefits. We know he who gets addicted to drinking and gambling, he becomes a parasite. He becomes a pity and he becomes a beggar in the society. He can never be productive. And we know that. And the Prophet indeed described alcohol as Ummu al Khabaith, is the mother of all evil. Why can it do why can't it be when it actually it depletes mankind of the intellect that makes him able to make informed decisions that make him productive part of the society? He cannot be a good husband, he can never be a good father, he can never be a good neighbor, he can never be a good son, he can never be a good member of the society. And we know the basic example, no country ever allow anyone to drink when he, to drive when he's drunk. As a basic, as a minimum benchmark to highlight the danger and the potential one poses. So here the danger is not only the community, but it starts with himself. So all I could say, my dear sister, you are his other half. I know you've been very patient. Continue giving him advice. Reach out, people can give him the support. If he needs some kind of, you know, therapy, do reach out, inshallah ta'ala, and uh, try your best be in light ta'ala. Reach out the people who know him. Let him understand the danger, the risk and his put he bring to his family. Let him know that he's going to spill over to his family, if not you, but his children, and it doesn't reflect good image of a husband. Someone you made a vow to live with in this world, and you would expect, inshallah, to be the companion who leads you to Jannah, with whom you'll be enjoying your life, inshallah, in paradise. Inshallah, al-Hasana, with good and humble and polite words, be in light, Allah. Don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. He's not the worst one, be in light, but until he, he declares that uh, I'm not a Muslim, I don't believe in it, don't give up, inshallah, but reach out. It might not be that your word is going to make a big difference, but it could be other people whom he respect and may give and render a hear of listening more than yourself, be in light. Jazakillah uh, khairan for that question. Now, the other question that was... Um, uh, put someone said that uh, Assalamu alaikum Sheikh, is it permissible to pray Dhuhr Salah before going for Juma or praying Juma Salah? Jazakallah khair. Now, the Quranic ayah that's very clear about Salat al Juma and Salat al Juma itself. That indeed, all you who believe, if whenever the call, once the call has been made on Friday, okay, if you've been called to go on and attend the Salah on Friday, and by, by majority, not majority, by overwhelming, all the Muslim scholars do agree that the call here means the call to Salat al-Jum'ah, which is a congregation prayer. And the prayer that is distinct, although the timing is the same, but distinct from the Dhuhr prayer in the sense that it has to have the khutbah that is, you know, a sum that is given before it. And we know that from the time of Rasulullah upon no time did the Prophet combine both Salatul Juma and Salatul Dhuhr, whether praying Dhuhr before or Dhuhr after. Therefore, to answer your question, you don't need to. And if you did so, then it is it could be equivalent to you making a prescription 
or prescribing something in the deen that the Prophet never did. We understand, yes, many of our elders and our predecessors are used to you know, perform Zuhur and, uh, and Juma because they say Juma is Juma, but Zuhur is Zuhur as well. And um, the reason why they used to do so is because they know Zuhur is every day Muslims pray five times a day, but in addition to that, a Muslim could have uh, Salatul Juma. Just as in the other analogy they use is that when it comes Salatul Eid, we know Salatul Eid also is Sunnah Mu'akkada. If it comes, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, uh, you know, uh, compensate for Salatul Dhuhr. But I think that would be a wrong analogy because the time for the Prophet ﷺ praying Salatul Eid was immediately after sunrise, and we know Salatul Dhuhr is always after Dhuhr. So to be on the safe side, to avoid any, no matter how good you feel, you want to do everything, when it comes to aspects of, of worship, the second condition is whatever you do as an act of ibadah, make sure it meets the second criteria. Your intention might be good to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but you may fail on the second condition, which is it must be consistent with the way Rasulullah did. If he did not pray Salatul Dhuhr on the day of Juma, then do not prescribe because doing so it would be wrong. The default status for every single act of worship is at-tawakkuf. Before we are told to pray, we do not commit any act of worship until we are instructed. And that's why when the Prophet wasallam, before his ascension to heaven, he never used to pray Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, and Maghrib. He might have been performing his sunnah every now and then, but there was no Salatul Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, or Maghrib at that time. And even when he came back, he knew the prayers had been prescribed on him. He did not start to pray it the way he wanted until Jibreel came to him and observed for the second subsequent two days the timing for Salatul Dhuhr at the beginning, the next day at the end of it, and then the first day Asr, the beginning of Asr, and the second day the end of Asr, first day beginning of Maghrib, all the way for the five daily prayers. That highlights the second condition at tawakkuf or al muwafaqa it must be done in accordance with the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or as demonstrated by the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he did not pray salatul dhuhr on friday neither before nor after and you shouldn't be worried about that and what you often find people sometimes do pray in some masajids, it is not, it is not they are doing a salat of when they are praying to rakas, they be doing four rakas, which are always highly recommended before in a salat of dhuhr. And uh, of course, we know according to some madhabs, for example, madhab al-Hanafi, they see the four rakas before dhuhr as wajib, even if they are not compulsory, even if they are not farl. Now for them, there is a difference between what is farl and that which is wajib. Farl is what has been prescribed in the book, like the five daily prayers, zakah, hajj, and fasting. But wajib for them is that which is, come, you know, or it must be done, although it is not among the, five, you know, the other prescribed aspects of worship, whether it is salah, whether it is zakah, or whether it is fasting. Allah Ta'ala. Alam. Sheikh, salam alaikum. People say I'm good wordsmith. I'm a good wordsmith. Is it halal for me to uh, to write poetry, even if it's about general life and love? Jazakallah khair. 
I would say that there is nothing wrong. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted mankind the wisdom and the intellect and the ability to use his speech and his hand and the pen to influence. And, uh, you know, to make a positive impact does not necessarily mean that you are going to talk A to Z ayahs from the Quran and the Sunnah. There are different words of it. Some people do understand better when you articulate the message, whether in poetry terms, whether in, uh, in prose or poetry or by speech as long as it is consistent with the wording, with the meaning of the Quran. Someone would, someone you may be sometimes you know, speaking to um, someone who does not believe in the of the Quran, maybe the best way to present the message will not be to articulate it in the Quranic text, but you know, you articulate different way that will resonate with his understanding. Categorically, when you find many of the Quranic verses, they draw our attention to the many phenomena and natural design around us, which should be, when well examined, should be, be in light a turning point to the right path. So Allah is drawing our attention to see how he created the, you know, the, the Safina to Al-Sahra, uh, 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 you know, the, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the vessel of the desert, the camel, very, very well articulated, you know, is it a, a creation that Allah subhanahu wa has designed in such a very unique way. Allah talks about the, the mountains and the skies and the, all these, when you look at them, Allah is not talking about Jannah, he's not talking about, you know, praying and fasting, but he's drawing your attention. In that angle, from that perspective, there is nothing where you can use your pen to convey the Islamic message, a message of guidance, as long as promoting good and drawing mankind to the right disposition towards his creator, even if you have not used the Quranic verse. Uh, because you understand your audience, the message will be clear, maybe more leading to exactly what you want them to be, even if you have not used the verse. There is nothing wrong at all. Remember, the first message was about Your intention, inshallah, will be paramount given what you want to do with the night.